As a child growing up in Princeton, Donald Fox celebrated reunions in his backyard. Literally. Fox is a son of the late Frederick Fox, class of 39, who was one of the university's great ambassadors. And with the exception of the major reunion years, his father's classmates would gather at their home, one block north of Nassau Street. Starting in, like, 1966, I had an orange and black tent with 39s on it that completely filled up our backyard, which extended along Spring Street. It was, and I, I'm, you know, I'm 65 years old, I think about it now, it was, you know, a combination of, you know, a huge, you know, extended football weekend, and it's, and then something like, like street theater, of these people dressed up in, in costumes. Uh, you know, I pause, I don't, you know, and, and reunions are, are somewhat the same now. That Fred Fox could host a great Princeton party shouldn't surprise anyone. As President William Bowen said at Fox's memorial service in 1981, Fred was unfailingly colorful, and two particular colors were, of course, his favorites. But Fred Fox's life story was written in more than just orange and black. You know, his role at the university for the first 12 years, he had this official role called the recording secretary. It means he thanked everybody who, you know, gave money or gave a gift to Princeton, you know, under his signature. And then he got literally kicked upstairs, kicked into Nassau Hall, and was keeper of Princetoniana from 1976 to his death in 1981. You know, and I'm my father's biographer, at least I put together his life and letters. He boasted that, you know, people said, oh, Freddie Fox, he's Mr. Princeton, you know, he, you know, he's always, you know, he's, he never left the place. He's never, it's like he hasn't grown up. But he, you know, he would correct that right away and say, I was away for 25 years. You know, he, he graduated, uh, and then went with his closest classmate, Jamie Clark, and they bicycled and, and took trains in, in England, uh, France and Germany and Switzerland in the summer of 1939. They just, you know, Luckily, he got back before the war broke out. And then my father, whose older brother graduated from Princeton in 1935, was uh, aide to the governor of Arizona. My father went out. His brother had the idea that he should write a book about the Babbitt family of Arizona. My father never finished the biography of the, ba- of the Babbitt. He was in a play at the Phoenix, uh, essentially community theater, and he said, I'm, I want to try to be an actor. And he, he went to Hollywood for a year and a half. And he, the only job he could get was with NBC Radio. He edited a newsletter there. And then, like zillions of other people, his life was changed by the war. So he flew back to the East Coast, enlisted, and then he got into this unit that was an army unit, a deception unit that fooled the Germans. Essentially, you know, he got to be, you know, an actor during the war. But he had a religious conversion, he had an adult religious experience in Normandy when he saw his first dead German soldiers. And, you know, he, he, you know I, it wasn't the sky's opening, but he said essentially, you know, life has to be better than this. People have to treat each other as brothers, you know, even if they're, you know, enemies. He got, he got married in July 1945, the whole, you know, and one of the reasons why we know so much about his 
what he did during the war is that he wrote his fiancée and my mother every week. So he, he went to Union Theological Seminary from 45 to 48, and he said, I'm gonna, I want to learn about small-town America he didn't know, so he, he took a job in the center of Ohio, and he was minister of a congregational church there for, uh, you know, it's five full years. And he went to Williamstown, Massachusetts, and I love doing the line of saying, you know, my, my father got to get up in the pulpit on Sunday and say, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving you as your pastor. I have a higher call. <laughs> he said, you know, I've, I've been asked to work in the White House. So he, he worked in the White House from the summer of 56 to, uh, literally January 20th, 1961. He, he spent the last night of his job at his, you know, sleeping in his desk. I mean, I don't know. He spent the night, one night in the White House, so we could say he did that. And then he had three interesting years of, of creative unemployment. But I, you know, I have a letter somewhere where my father said, you know, I met Bob Goheen and Bob Goheen turned to his AA and said, you know, get Fred Fox a job in Princeton. And it was just, it was the beginning of the, the capital campaign in 1963-64. Correspondence was and is one of the key responsibilities of the recording secretary. Fred Fox wrote thousands of letters in his lifetime, both at work and in his personal life. And Donald Fox has transcribed and compiled about 500 of them in a two-volume biography and letters titled The Old Familiar Places. I remember asking my mother why my father didn't like vacations more, and the answer was, well, he, he missed you know, answering letters. He got you know, out of the, the give and take and the rhythm of it. You know, my father was an old-fashioned letter writer. He was, you know, he was personal, and he was creative, and he, you know, he, he was, you know, devoted to the, and he called it the cause. But my, the word I want to use for my father was that he had this, he, he was authentic. My father wasn't sentimental. He didn't always talk about, you know, what he did, you know, how, how things were. He, he, he could make the transferal that is an interesting one of saying, Princeton's now filled with different people who are, who are having, you know, different kinds of fun and experience that I had. You know, my father wasn't, you know, a key person. He didn't make the decisions, but, you know, I like to boast that, you know, he was worth a million dollars to Princeton when Princeton made the decision to go co-ed, you know, and he was, he was just there saying, you know, it's, you know, it's still a great place. You know, he, he helped bridge, he did help bridge the old Princeton and the new Princeton. And to explain how he did it, I, you know, it, it, that's, that's, that's too hard for me. It just, you know, pleases me that, you know, people, you know, tell stories, of, you know, oral history of Princeton and, you know, Freddie Fox's name comes up. He was able to impart to these new students the sense it's not you know instant loyalty, but saying you know this is this is a place worth being loyal to. He would tell people, "I hope you have a job that you love as much as you know I love my job." Our thanks to Donald Fox for sharing his memories of his father. Brett Tomlinson produced this episode. The music is licensed from First Com Music. 
Each year at reunions, the Princeton University Band honors the legacy of Fred Fox, one of its most devoted supporters, in a concert of Princeton songs on Cannon Green. 